Top of the day, everyone. It's Hot Garbage Day. We are on episode 10, and I'm your host, Nisha, and this is my beautiful best friend and co-host. Buddha badass. Can you believe it? We're on episode, well, 10 or 11, if you look at, because some people don't look at the actual intro episode as an episode, because a lot of people don't listen to the actual intro. So whichever one, we're on episode 10 or 11. Can you believe that we're, like, that far in the double digits? I do think that this is awesome that we're getting there. Uh, you know, 10 or 11 baby steps, you know, yeah. that's like a decent season one of a british movie or tv show or something like that yeah. so we getting there we are this is so awesome and uh, you know we was talking about that the other day there we're not gonna have a shortage of these crimes to go over so this is great uh, i mean that is awesome that the, you know people are out there killing people yeah <laughs> yeah they are <laughs> it's amazing how has your week been coming along uh, my week was actually extremely productive, but extremely tiring. I did moving recently. I uh, got myself situated and moved, but I'd had to do it all in the rain. I mean, like on some monsoon type of Aww. jazz right there. Some, it was not, it was not funny. Yeah. And, uh, people said it was going to help. Nobody did. That's BS. Um, That's just BS. Your, your son did. And you're yeah. awesome. You're an awesome friend for that. I, I noticed you. that you got out of there. You ain't do no, no type of help. Oh gosh. I it's just, okay. I would have just been them, in the way. You ain't put them nails to no type of work. <laughs> I, I, I peeped that. But it's okay. <laughs> yes. At least you sent somebody. Yes, I did. But, um, but you know, got it done. Got blessed and getting into a house that I didn't expect to get in. So, uh, Yeah. I'm feeling all right. I am. And we do accept housewarming gifts over here for Buddha Badass. Am I right? <laughs> yes, we do. We accept anything because I've decided to revamp. So I'm like on the floor right now. But yeah. only because I'm one of those people that I'm not like a, a yeller type of or whooper. I don't really whoop my kids a lot. Yeah. So and I, I, put, it on, I put it on me. I don't I believe I believe in things being a whoopable offense is what yeah. I call it. That's not yeah. a whoopable offense. So, point is, when they're young, I buy crappy furniture because I already attend on kids being kids and jumping yeah. and spilling junk and all that shit. Yeah. So, we're past that phase. So, now, you know, you spill and you might just get whoops because you're old enough to know it now. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> but, Absolutely. But, so, now we're actually going to invest into having a place look how we want it to look. Again. Yeah. We got our place back. That's so awesome. Yay. Congratulations. Well, thank you, girl. Thank you. This was in the making. Well, are you ready to get into our case today? Mm. Always ready. What's up, Rose? Well, we are going to be talking about the case of Aaron Michelle Caffey. Okay. Do you remember this? Do you know this case at all? Remember this? No. Right. Who's, who's Aaron Michelle? What's she's about? So we are going to get into it right now. <clears throat> so Aaron Michelle Caffey was born July 27th, 1991. Her parents' names was Terry and Penny Caffey. They lived in Alba, Texas, and this was a very small town. I think they said it was like 600 people. Like, it was very small. Mm. So, kind of everybody kind of knew everybody. You know, it was one of those kind of towns. And, of course, both parents, they loved their kids very much. They worked very hard, and they were also very religious. Now, Aaron was 16. Her brother, Matthew, was 13. And then the youngest was 8-year-old Tyler. So, now, Terry Caffey's job was delivering medical equipment. And his dream was to become a minister. He preached at the Miracle Faith Baptist Church. He was working towards being an ordained minister. That was his whole goal in life. And then the mother, Penny, was a seamstress and a driver for a charity that delivered meals to the elderly and the disabled people. So Penny also sang in a gospel choir. Um, it was called the Gaston Sisters. And she was a pianist at the church as well. Yes, yeah, she also loved to cook a lot. So it was said that like a lot of the church gatherings, she was the one that would always do like the potlucks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the musical, you know, talents actually rubbed off on the kids too. So Aaron was a good singer. Matthew, the 13 year old, he played the harmonica and the guitar and Tyler played instruments as well. So they were just a big musical family. Trying to be the Jackson 5 over there. <laughs> right. Now, Erin, it was said that she sang solos a lot, and she sang with her mom as well. So, she was described as a really cute and petite girl. She loved attention. You know, she was in her, you know, teenage, living her best life. Now, in July of 2007, Erin ended up turning 16. She got her driver's license. Uh, she was handed down an old Chevy pickup truck. She got a job at Sonic. So, you know, she just became kind of, you know, very independent for her teenage years. Okay. Now, her parents were, you know, very strict on her because they wanted her to have, you know, a good life. So it was no boyfriends. You know, she wasn't supposed to have boyfriends and stuff like that. You know, they want her to focus on school and the church and everything like that. <clears throat> so now at this time, she at work, she meets 
some new friends. So they are 19-year-old Char um, Charlie Wilkerson and then 20-year-old Charles Allen Wade. So Charles Allen Wade was actually Charlie Wilker Wilkerson's best friend. And what then she doing hanging out with people that old at 16? Right. This was, you know, this was a whole group. Like, it, they became a whole, like, foursome, you know? So there was Charlie, there was Charles, and then Charles had a girlfriend, not 18-year-old Bobby Joe Johnson. And so they all became best friends, you know? They spent a lot of time together. And, you know, Charlie Wade, uh, Charlie Wilkerson, I'm sorry, Charlie Wilkerson and her ended up dating. So he asked her out on a date and they immediately fell in love. You of know, course. they were, they were in a tumultuous relationship. Now, Charlie was a senior in high school. At well, this tumultuous time. doesn't mean in love. Tumultuous is bad. That's well, what, well that's I'm getting troublesome. to that. I'm okay. going to get to that uh, in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm coming. like, wait a minute. That is really yeah. in love and tumultuous yeah. is not the same Well, when thing. I said, when I said that, you know, they're love, like they fell in like, you know, really deep, really fast, you know, cause okay. keep in mind, this was her first relationship and she was just really smitten with him. You know, uh -huh. and of course, you know, now Charlie was a senior in high school. He was almost out of high school, though. He wanted to go into the military. That was his whole dream. He had already finished an army pre-boot camp, and that was the summer before his senior year. He was a very good student. Everybody said he never had any problems. And his trademark was that he wore really big cowboy hats. That was like his whole trademark. But everybody said that he was like a really handsome, you know, just well-rounded young man. Okay. And so that's the one that was dating Aaron. Now his friend Charles Wade had already graduated. He had already been married and he was in the process of getting divorced. He had a five month old baby. I don't know if it was a boy or a girl. I couldn't see that in any of the research. I mean, he was a grown kid. Well, they ain't, they grown now. Yeah. So yeah. of course he got a kid. Yeah. He had one kid. Um, and, but it was said that he was in a custody battle with his ex-wife and, you know, he needed $2,000 for legal fees for this. So, you know, it was kind of a back and forth thing. Jeez. Yeah. He had already been married and stuff? Uh, yeah, at 20 years old. Right. Mm. Well, so so Charlie Wilkerson is the one that's dating Aaron. Charles Wade is his best friend. That's one that's been married and everything. Okay. Um, now, Bobby Jo Johnson, she was Charles Wade's girlfriend. That's the one that the one that has the kid and everything. He has a new girlfriend named Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe. Yeah, Bobby Joe Johnson. And she worked at the local Dairy Queen and, you know, she was his new girlfriend. Now they said Bobby Joe was very smart, articulate, and she did theater. Why when you put two boys' names together, that's when you know it's a girl. Like Bobby <laughs> Joe. Right. Billy John. Like, right. oh, that's a girl for sure. And it's a girl, right. I always wondered that too. I wonder where they come up with like the boy names, you know. <laughs> Man, to be girls. They want them handsome women. That's what they want. Yeah. <laughs> now and now, um, you know, Aaron started, of course, ditching school to be with Charlie. And it'll be confusing. So Charlie is the one that is dating Aaron. And Charles, I'll call him Charles, because Charles Wade is the one with the kid. I mean, because you are saying Charles, Charlie, Charles, and yeah, Chuck. Yeah, it's and crazy. Chuck and Charles and Chad. Right, it is like, You got to get CB3 or something to get right. like, Give me some different names or something. That, it, well, it's Nicknames, crazy. like call them something. Right, it is crazy how like they, they ended up basically being the same. So, yeah, so we'll just call Charlie. Aaron's boyfriend will be Charlie. And then Charles, he'll be Charles. Just remember, Charles is the one that's in the custody battle. He's Charlie Wade's best friend, or Charlie Wilkerson's best friend. Okay. Are you following me so far? I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> okay, so basically, um, you know, now Charlie ended up going to church with, you know, Aaron and stuff. She invited him to church. And she just basically blatantly just started being with him in her parents' face, not caring. They were saying that, you know, they would go to church on, you know, Sundays and they would sit in the back and just hold hands. They, you know, they wouldn't care. And her parents was all the while saying, you know, you can't be with him anymore. He's too old for you, you know, and stuff like that. And now the pastor and his wife even noticed that she started acting different and they kind of warned her about it. And this is where, you know, Charlie, he liked to drink a lot. He became possessive of her. And, you know, Aaron and her parents, they just started fighting all the time over Charlie. This was just something that just wasn't, it was almost, it was like a big divide, you know. This is like a parent's nightmare right here. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the, one of the big thing was, of course, the age difference. And Terry Caffey had reservations from the beginning. And he said that something just did not sit right with him <clears throat> about Charlie. You know, he did not want him to be with his daughter, you know. 
And, you know, Aaron got very emotional. You know, she was just a typical teenage girl. And she was like, I'm not going to stop seeing him. I love him. We're going to get married, all that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, February 21st, 2008 was a very sad time for Terry because he went to visit his father, Sonny, and had found that he had died. Now, he was an older man. He died from natural causes. And this was Aaron's grandfather. So, you know, after the funeral of his father, you know, the ca- the Caffies, they just went through a really emotional time. But it was at the funeral that Aaron started plotting and saying that maybe her parents should just die so she could be with Charlie. Wow, after Grandpa go, it just gave you a good idea. Like, you know what? Death is the release. Yeah, she started thinking about that. You know, she started thinking about, you know, maybe maybe my parents should just die while she was at her granddad's funeral. I thought that was wild. Um, So, basically, her parents, you know, after this whole funeral thing and stuff, that's when they tell her that she is absolutely not allowed to see Charlie anymore. They took her phone. You know, they really put their foot down. They took her phone. And, you know, Erin really just started forming this plan. And she would go to school. She would tell her friends, I just wish my parents would die. Like, nobody thought anything of it because, you know, she's a teenager. So, you know, sometimes teenagers may say stuff like that. Like, I just wish my family would die. You know I've heard I mean? your daughter say that about you when you left a couple times. <laughs> I mean, kids just say that. No. <laughs> I mean, there was a couple you told her to get stuff out the car. I wish my mother would die. <laughs> like, yeah, well... <laughs> It's all right. And you're just now telling me this? I mean, you said kids say that stuff. So, I mean, hey. See, I can't wait till your kids start plotting on you. I mean, you don't. no one's going to plot on you, girl. You are a master of murder. <laughs> <laughs> your daughter don't know what she might walk in on, some jigsaw type of shit. <laughs> now, um, now, I said we would pause to talk about the stupidest part of the crime. This is the first beginning of it being stupid because you can't tell everybody what you plan on doing. Now, you'll see she was told people that wasn't even a part of the actual plot because we'll get to the actual plot. But, I mean, if you're telling your family or anything or your your friends, don't even say stuff like that, like, oh, in a joking way. But if you really plan on doing it, don't even say it in a joking way because that's the first thing that's going to come back was, well, she did say that several times. Mm-hmm. You know, that's already the premeditation right there. You know? Right. You calculated murderer you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm not a cow. So, all right. Just, step one don't say nothing don't to say nobody. Anything. And you'll see. And like, I know that you've never talked about murdering me. No. Never, never. Ever. I would never talk about murder to you. Yeah. You see why? You see, you never talk about murdering me because I'm on your list. <laughs> no. Are you kidding me? I can't leave your family without a father. Like, I hope you can. Yes. Like, who is going to pay the mortgage or the rent and everything? I can't do that to Tara. I love Tara. Alright. <laughs> now, she spent a month talking about this plan to her friends. That's insane. So, Charlie said that, you know, it was said later. Now, this is a quote that was said after they all got caught and he was in prison. Charlie said, Aaron and I were in love. And the only way we could be together is to kill her parents. That was the only way. Mm, mm, mm. They were natural born killers. That's why. Yeah. Now, they got this whole plan together. And so this is what happened. Now we're going to go to the night of the murder. Okay. So March 1st, 2008, at around 1.30 a.m., Charlie and Charles Wade go to the cafe home. Now, Charlie asked Charles to help him because he promised him that he would give him the $2,000 that he needed to help with the custody. So that's how he got him to help. I was just about to ask, what is his motivation? Yeah. Uh, So now, Aaron told the boys that they was going to find some money inside a locked box at the house that her her parents keep in the room. So that's, uh, she told them exactly where to find the money. Okay. Now, Bobby Jo Johnson, is she, it was said, you know, she didn't know anything about this plan at all. Now, she, she, um, she was the driver, but it was, it did come, she didn't know anything about the plan until they got in the car and they started talking about it. So, at the time, she didn't know that she was going over there to kill anybody or anything like that. Now, Bobby, I mean, what she think she was doing at one o'clock in the morning going right, to somebody's house? Right. Well, I mean, you can go to somebody's house at one o'clock in the morning. I don't mean it's going to be like a murder going on. What like, you, as a teenager. Who, who house you be driving up to at 1 o'clock? Well, I've, well, you know, you never stuck out your house as a teenager and went, like, hung out at one of your friend's house that their parents wasn't home? Yeah. Never on recording, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Not no murder, though. 
Now, hang on to that. Keep that in mind because that's going to come yeah, back. Yeah, I guess you're, that is fine. Yeah, because that's really a stream to go like, okay, well, my friend, you know, I'm picking my friends up. I'm going to go kill somebody. Like, you know, that's kind of a stream. But she did know about it once they got in the car because they started then plotting it out. So she picked up Aaron mm-hmm. and then, you know, she picked up the boys and then they all started talking about like the boys and Aaron started talking about how they're going to do it, what's going to happen and all that kind of stuff. So she mm. did find, about, find out about it then. Now, they're using her silver Dodge Neon for transportation. So, and Charlie, Charles, everybody's basically said that, you know, she had no idea before that what the plan was. And that's, you know, plan number two of the stupidest part of this crime. Because I'm like, you know, first of all, like, Aaron, like, if I was in on it, you know what I mean? I think that a good alibi, you can't be with the people that's going to murder the night of. She should have been in the house. And you'll see why I'm saying that later. I'm what, then fake like she got beaten, raped, and almost killed by them too? Well, yeah, well, you'll see. Well, not, well, you'll see. I'm going to get to that part. So, now, the three of them, of course, like I said, they picked up Aaron, and then they drove around for about an hour because mm-hmm. they was thinking about a plan. So, they did ask, you know, Charles and Charlie asked her, well, do you have a change of heart? Like, you know, is there, uh, before we do this, this is your time now to say if you want to back out. And she was like, no. She said, go through the plan. My parents have to die so that me and Charlie could be together. She said, I'm not changing my mind. Okay. So the plan was, and they decided at that point that the little brothers had to die too because there can't be any witnesses at Damn. all. So now Aaron and Bobby Joe stayed in the car. The two boys, Charlie and Charles, they went inside. Aaron had left the front door open so that they could go inside. Now what they brought with them was two, was 22 caliber pistols and samurai swords. That was like a crazy combination right there. I was like, that's that Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I was like, if you shoot somebody, what do you need the swords for? Like, that's what I was confused about this case. Like, what do you need the swords too for? I mean, if you own a samurai sword, (laughs) when are you ever going to really get a chance to use it unless there's a zombie apocalypse? So you think they brought it just so. If I was going killing, I'm bringing my samurai sword. (laughs) Like, hey, I'm going out with a bang and with some goddamn style. Be like, do you see this? (laughs) <laughs> this is Motimosho sword shit right here. You seen Kill Bill? Oh uh, yeah. So I guess you're right, huh? Because you may as well. Because when are you gonna use it? When are you ever gonna slice anybody with a samurai sword? Yeah. So if I'm going to jail and I'm going to be killing somebody anyway, bring this out. I'm bringing all the fun, cool stuff. I got a, a, a fucking <laughs> trident that looks like Poseidon's ass shit. I'm stabbing motherfuckers with toothpicks. Just to do some different type of shit. Shit that I just seen in a movie. I was watching Riddick the other day. I was like, kill a motherfucker with a teacup? Let me try that shit out too. Just try it. Try just different shit. Oh, so that, that put it in perspective. Thank you for answering that for me. Because I was stomped when I was doing this research. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it with flair, man. Like, do the shit that you wanted to try out. That makes sense. Well, now, Charlie walks in the room of her parents, and, of course, they were asleep, and he just started firing the shots. And now, he started firing shots until the gun jammed. Now, Charles had to come and help him unjam the gun. I'm sorry, that part was funny, because I'm like, he came and helped him unjam the gun, right? And so, after he helped him unjam uh, the gun... Charles went ahead and shot the gun for him two more times. So Charlie then slashed Penny Caffey's throat. He walked up to the bed, took the sword, slashed her throat just to make sure she was dead after the shots. Mm. Now the gunshots then woke up the two little boys and they started kind of calling out for their parents and they didn't know what was going on. They were scared. They tried to lock themselves in their room, but Charlie broke into the room and the oldest one, Matthew, the 13 year old actually tried to fight. He tried to fight Charles and Charles Wade shot Matthew in the face at that point. Mm. He then, uh, so then at that point, Charles and Charlie took turns stabbing the littlest brother with the samurai swords. Yeah, yeah, and then at that point, they grabbed Aaron's suitcase because she had packed her stuff and she had told them, I guess, you know, while they're in the house to grab her stuff for her too because she was planning on running off with Charlie Wade. In her mind, she was like, I'm just going to live with him, you know? Wow, so, so. she wasn't at the ha- in the house when no. this went down. Uh-uh, she wasn't in the house. That was the whole thing. She was with Bobby Joe in the car. Mm. So remember, the mm. boys went in. Mm. So... They grabbed the, so then, and the crazy thing is they did go in the lockbox, they got some money out, but they only got like 300 or something dollars out of the lockbox. That's all the parents had up in there. 
So it was said that when they got in the car, they told her what was happening. It was, you know, the parents was dead. Everybody was dead. The deed was done. It said Aaron was so happy and giddy that she found out. She was like, oh, I'm so glad that's over, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, that was kind of, she was so happy. And so at that point, they set the house on fire. Charlie and Charles, they set the whole house on fire. They burnt everything down. So, and that was before they left. Now, Aaron and Charlie got dropped off at his trailer, and it said they had sex all night long after this. I mean, that was a detail that, where did you discover that at? Uh, it was uh, it was in one of the research. They said they had sex all night long. It was in one of the researches that I did. It was they like, just made sure to write that down. They, yeah, uh, they had like, sex right all there, night like, long. Mm, what did you do? We fucked all night. Like, write that down. <laughs> good detail there. Now, at 4.30 in the morning, a call... I mean, and she's still a minor at this time. Yeah, she's 16 at this time. So, like, why didn't the parents get him arrested on that shit a long time ago? Oh, on the statutory... You know, I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know, because they, they were saying, like, you know, stay away from her, but I don't know why he didn't get arrested on statutory rape charges. Right. Because I'd be like, bro, I ain't trying to be a snitch, but I told you to stay away from my daughter, bro. She, yeah. She kid. She's 16. Because that, that would have probably ended all this because he would have been in jail. So, yeah, none of this would have even happened. Bruh. Unless, and I and I didn't look this up because, you know, in different states, the laws was different as far as what's considered an adult, too. Like, not an adult, but a consenting adult. Because yeah. 16, I think, is consenting. 16 is consenting, I think, yeah. in Texas. Yeah, and they're in Tennessee. I'll, I'm going to look that up, and I'll have an answer, because that's yeah, one thing I didn't look at. in Southern States, you could uh, yeah. as low as 14. Yeah, I saw that. It's insane. So that's what I'm thinking. Maybe they couldn't. Yeah, well, he was like, I can do this 14-year-old if I want to. Yeah. It's legal now. We, we eat gator. We do little girls. <laughs> and wear big cowboy hats, because remember, that's what he liked and to do. And big hats. Mm-mm. Now... At 4.30 a.m., a call came in to the police department about a shooting that had been at the Kathy's home. So keep in mind that this is a really small town, so neighbors did hear the shootings and stuff like that. So the police went. So the police did go to the Kathy residence, and the police officer seized the fire, and the roofs had started to cave in. So that let them know this fire had been going for a while. And so basically he calls in the fire department they go to the, and they also go to the home of the neighbor that called 911. So guess what was, guess what was at the house of the neighbor? Cause the neighbor called 911, the fire department, the police came, the police goes to the neighbor house and guess what's there? The guns? No, Terry Caffey. He survived. He said he was the only one. He survived the shooting, the fire. He had crawled out of the house and he was laying. Well, I'm, see, you wouldn't just detail about them having sex. Like what? How? Then how were they shot? Because you said the gun jammed and all the stuff. So yeah, with a twenty-two and all I, that. So how many rounds was fired and where were they hit? I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna go into that. Well, we're gonna go find out where Terry Caffey was hit uh-huh. because I'm gonna go into that because this is an amazing story. He crawled out of the house after being shot and breathing in fumes. So I'm about to go into that right now where he was hitting. So he was laying on the floor of the house. He had been shot five times and it was once in the head and two. So once in the head and two of them was in the shoulder and twice in the back. That's Mm. how, so he was shot. That's why this was such a miracle. And when the house was burning down, he found his will to crawl out of the bed. And the sad thing is he said that when all this was going on, he could hear like the boys like screaming out for their mom and dad, but he was so he couldn't do anything at that point because he was paralyzed for a little bit. Mm-hmm. so he crawled out he crawled down the street he was covered in blood there was blood all down the street and when he stumbled out of the home he actually had fallen into a creek for a little bit where he almost drowned but he was able to get out of the creek and make it to the neighbor's home and that's why like that's when the neighbor called the police and everything like that i mean jesus you got a yeah. creek between you and your neighbor's house yeah yeah, that, that's that's the thing about living on a big old plot of land by yourself. Yeah, that someone can come and shoot you in the face mm-hmm. and don't nobody know. Right, that's why I'm like I I can't at all. Like I have to have right. That's kind of your own protection is kind of civilization. Yeah, you want to be away from people, but that doesn't actually help you if some people come to get you. But I was like, I feel like the crazy thing is in the society we live in. Even when you live around people, I feel like nobody will help you now. Everybody would just either record it or kind of just leave it alone. Oh yeah, people like, will record you like yeah. a message. People <laughs> right. will watch you get shot in the street and just record it on their phone yeah but the good thing is that somebody's recording it on their phone yeah and somebody's there seeing it at the very least 
You yeah. know, like, you could go and knock on the door, like, I heard gunshots at this point in time, at this point in time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And kind of maybe even save your life in that time span at yeah. that point. But if when it's somebody, you're out in the middle of the no damn where and somebody shoots you, you got to rely on your fucking self. Yeah. And let me tell you something. I am a believer of disturbing the peace. If I'm in danger, I'm fucking up other people's cars. Oh, I'm yeah. Go, I'm going to run into buildings. I'm breaking windows to grocery stores and shit like that and retail buildings because oh, I'm yeah. drawing a shitload of attention to me. Oh, yeah. You see That's what I'm saying? What I, yeah. I don't care at that point what I'm going to do. I'm going to do anything to say, my, I'll jump in your car. Right. Like, I would <laughs> jump through your, your, your living room window. <laughs> I will. I'll be just a big black guy coming through like a fucking the Kool-Aid man. Just boom. <laughs> hey. What's up? Whatever the fuck he says. But bro, I, I'm coming in. Yeah. Because I, I, I know that you don't give two shits about me. I know that you don't give two shits that I'm alive, but I know you give a damn about giving me the fuck about your house. Yeah, you're right. And you're going to call the cops and tell me all type of shit trying to give me the fuck up this house. And it's like, okay, now now I got to, now he got to deal, whoever chased me got to deal with the fact that these crazy people calling the cops. Yeah. I'm over here trying to get away from you. Is you going to come in their house too? Right. And be a witness and be having them lit, see your face and yeah. all that shit. Are you going to have to kill them all too? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, I put you in that situation. Mm-hmm. Most <laughs> of the time, and then we'll go over cases like and that too. And hopefully he's trying to have a gun and I just run out, I just jump out and he starts shooting at your ass thinking you with me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I fucking do that. Yeah. I think that's the best thing to do. You know what I mean? Now, but if you ain't, that's what I'm saying. But if you ain't got nobody to jump in their window and you got to cross yeah. a whole river to it, get to your neighbor's yeah. house, you're a little too... That's, that's when being alone is your ass. And I thought about that, too. I was like, it's a good thing. that. Can you imagine if the neighbor wasn't even home? Because he definitely would. If he wouldn't have got help when he did, he definitely would have died because he had smoke inhalation. He had been shot. He was losing blood. So it's a good thing they was even home. Man, are you with one of them rowdy neighbors that be carrying a shotgun trying to shoot anything down to get on their property? Oh, yeah. Because he would have been screwed. Right. Shot you like a deer. So basically, when he t- he told the police that his family was dead and it was Charlie Wilkerson that killed them. So he was able to, because it was the daughter's boyfriend. You know, he didn't know the other guy, but he was able to definitely identify who did it. Yeah. And so... The police, since the police knows everyone, you know, since then they knew exactly who that that was. That's the only bad thing about living in a small town because they do not have to go far to find you, you know. Um, so basically, and someone else has seen Charlie's car parked outside of Charles Wade's trailer. <clears throat> so the police went to the trailer and they said they're going to take Charlie in for questioning. You know, he denied going in for, he denied everything. You know, he went in for question. He denied everything. They got a search warrant and they collected evidence from the trailer as well. Now in the living room, they found a camouflage covered purse. In the purse, there was Aaron Caffey's ID and the trailer was dirty. It had beer cans all over the place, dirty clothes, blankets was everywhere. There was shell casings on the carpet. It was just really disgusting. Now, next, like a typical redneck place. Yeah. Now, next to the mattress, there was a box of ammunition, and there was a black and white western shirt, and there was a used condom on the floor. Now, there was a whole bunch of blankets piled up on the floor in the corner, and so poking out of it, they kind of see some blonde hair. So that turned out to be Aaron Caffey. So Aaron Caffey was in the trailer at that point, and she was sitting there, and she was kind of acting like she was incoherent, you know. And she was getting questioned and she was like, I don't know like what happened. You know, she was like, I have no idea. She tried to say that she was in the house too. And she woke up and she don't know what happened. Now, Charles, she get there in the covers then. So no, cause remember after everything that happened, yeah, that that's true. But after everything that happened, Bobby Joe had, you know, dropped her off and she was trying to say after the fire, she don't even know how she got there. She was trying to play that card. Yeah. That's what I'm like. You don't even have an excuse on how you ended up all the way at your boyfriend's house. Right. The condom on the right. Like, okay. so, and this was the other stupidest part of the crime because now that the, you know, the fire was set and everything like that, I feel like honestly, if she would have played her cards right, like what I would have done is, first of all, I wouldn't have got picked up. I would have got caught. We all know this. Let's yeah. Well, I would have been in the house because you got to be in the house. There was no reason for her to have been in the car with Bobby Joe Johnson. I probably would have been in the house because you got to get some of that smoke inhalation in your lungs too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can't just act like you're completely out of it. And that's a lot of things of, of what, you know, got her caught up is the lack of smoke inhalation in her lungs. That's what, that's what got them, you know, got her caught up. And, and I'll go over a lot of things as far as like how they got caught up. But first of all, there was way too many people in this crime. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like if Charlie Wilkerson was going to go in there and kill people, they were, first of all, they were asleep. So you're dealing with two sleeping people and two kids. I honestly think with just the gunshots, he could have probably did that himself. I don't think that they could have involved Bobby Joe or Charles Wade. Because when you involve a lot of people, like that's where things go bad, right? I mean, I'm learning from you. I feel like you like, never want to Getting advice from you, I'm learning that what you would do is tell somebody about it, one single person who's going to be the killer. You're not going to ever call them again and throw away the phone that you called them on. <laughs> Go to your house. They're going to come in and start killing everybody. They must come in and start beating on you. You're going to call them a pussy because you're going to be like, I don't know if I can do that. Then you're going to punch yourself <laughs> to make sure it looks good and knock out one of your own damn teeth. He goes out and finishes the murder while he's out on parole and they're looking for him out while he's out while he's out on uh, missing and man watch. Somehow he's gonna mysteriously die too. <laughs> <laughs> Just like he fell on twelve bullets while falling down an elevator shaft. Yeah. This accidental death like that, and then no one's gonna know, and then you're gonna be somehow rich from your own family's money. And just be talking about, like, I would never do nothing like that. Got new teeth and everything. Uh, that's exactly what would happen to you. Yeah, that's exactly what probably would happen. It happened in a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> I could see your ass getting away with moida. Yeah. And you're probably on a watch list right now. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, the police initially, when they talked to her, they thought she had been kidnapped by the people who killed her family. So they was really worried about her. So they did take her to the hospital for a medical evaluation. She said she woke up in the house and it was filled with smoke. And she said she just saw two men with swords and, you know, she was just crying and what got the, everybody, you know, suspicious, you know, the law enforcement, the doctors, again, there was no smoke in her lungs. She didn't smell like smoke at all. That's the other thing. If she was in that house, she definitely would have smelled like some kind of smoke. Mm. Now, while she's being questioned, her grandmother comes in the hospital room and tells her that her father survived. Can you imagine, like, what her thought? I bet you her heart just dropped in her stomach right then and there. Oh, my God. Can right? you, right? Oh, my gosh. She she had to have known it was done at that point. Right. Oh, my gosh. Now, Charlie is still at the police station being questioned. And they tell him that he has been identified by Terry, who survived. So, at that point, he just confessed to everything. Everything that happened. He just went ahead and confessed. Yeah, he did. And they did run some tests on Aaron for smoke inhalation. They came back negative. They did arrest Bobby Joe. They arrested Bobby Joe, Charles Wade, and Charlie all at that time. Mm. Now, and Aaron was still in the hospital. Now, Bobby Bobby Joe stayed quiet until she found out that Charlie and Charles were in custody already. At that point, Charles Wade confessed and Bobby Joe confessed. So they all confessed at this point. Now, Charles Wade even said that Aaron said, holy shit, that was awesome when they got back in the car, you know, after killing her family. And so since Aaron was still at the hospital with her grandparents, the officer that was at the hospital got a phone call that said that Aaron had been implicated in the murder and needs to be arrested. So at that point, she was arrested from the hospital. Mm -hmm. So she denied everything. And so (coughs) since she was underage, she couldn't be taken to the sheriff's office to be questioned, but she had to be seen by like a justice of the peace, kind of like So she tells them that, you know, she doesn't want to give a verbal statement, but she did give a written statement as well. And she sticks to her story that she doesn't remember anything after the fire. You know, she doesn't remember how she got to the trailer. And so at that point, she was taken to a juvenile detention center and she was held on capital murder charges. So Terry Caffey actually went to go stay with his sister in another town during this time. And he was devastated. You know, his whole family's dead. And then he found out his daughter had something to do with it. I mean, he went actually into a depressed state of mind at that point. Mm. So, and that's when he said that he did hear his sons calling out. And it just, he feels so guilty because he could not go to them. He could not help them, you know. And so he made a vow at this point, you know, to live his life in honor of his wife and his sons, you know. Um, And we'll get back to the trials and everything. But he's amazing. He wrote a book. And, you know, I'm going to link the show notes to the book. He wrote a book. He now travels around. He shares lessons that he learned from his experience. He tries to help uh, other people that has dealt with horrible incidents and trauma. And the crazy thing, and this part is wild. So he actually, before the trial, he actually goes to visit Erin twice a week while she was sitting in the juvenile detention center. And so the conversations was all recorded. So he didn't ask her why, because she couldn't really say anything because anything she would have said would have been held against her in trial. But they talked about a lot of things, and he one of the things he asked her, he was like, you know, 
had they been good parents to her? Like, do you think that me and your mom was good? And she said, I couldn't have asked for for better parents. That was her thing. That's what she said. He always told her that he loved her. And I, and one thing he said it was he had to like forgive her to like move forward because he just, he had a vague uh, void in his heart because of everything that was going on, mm. you know, and I don't know if I could have done that. Do you think you could do that? Like, you know, if your child tries to kill you, could you like visit them every week and like forgive them for that? I don't know. I do get a lot of love for my children. Yeah. I mean, if you were an average person, no. But yeah. here's the thing, like, I would, I would know that I could feel that way if they killed somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And forgive them. So, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, because I think a part of me would be like, well, I wouldn't even be here right now if you had your way. You know what I mean? So, it would be, I don't know. I think that would be very hard. That's why I was like, this story, it really, like, it touched me because you don't hear about this too much. You know, he literally, and he was there at her court date and everything. He held her hand at court and everything. And so, basically, all, I don't know. I would want to see your ass fried out. Like, yeah. Now, still. Right. Justice for my family. Well, yeah, because that's the other thing. I think he was really torn because she was the only family that was left. But then at the same time, like, your sons are dead. Your wife is dead. Yeah, that's hard. It's a hard one. Now, all four were charged with capital murder. Charles Wade and Charlie pled guilty to avoid the death penalty. So, they took that off the table if they went ahead and, and pled guilty. So, they didn't have to have a trial for them. They both received life without the possibility of parole. Bobby Jo Johnson pled guilty, and her charges was just being an accomplice that did not use the weapon. She received 40 years with parole after 20 years for that. And that's it. That That's what I always say, just kind of being there. Don't even be in the room with somebody when they kill somebody, because this is a prime example. Yeah. She got 40 years, and 40 she, years and she found, found out on the way. On the way. 40 years. I ain't going to lie. Somebody tell me some shit that y'all doing, and I ain't want to be, but I'm stopping at the light. Yeah. Like, like I'm regularly driving, and I'm just going to ditch y'all at yeah. a fucking stoplight somewhere. Right. Get the fuck out of my car. Man, uh-huh. no, I, I'm going to get the fuck out of the car. Fuck that. No, like, she was the one. That was her car. That's what I'm saying. But fuck that. I'll leave oh, the car. Yeah. I'll yeah. leave y'all with my car and go do whatever the fuck y'all trying to do. Just yeah. leave me out of it. Oh, I feel it. Yeah, because fuck the car at that point. Right? right? Put that I'm... on the market of what some of y'all else y'all did. Like, y'all killed people, you took my car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. See, yeah. That's, yeah. Fuck don't... that. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, these are all young people, too, so they threw their life away. Mm, mm, mm. Now, when we get to Aaron, Aaron pled guilty to a capital murder. She was given two life sentences and an additional 25 years, and that was for the attempted murder of her father. And, you know, after all this happened, Terry has had depression, suicidal thoughts, but he did try to move on with his life. You know, Terry forgave everyone involved. He, you know, he actually, after the trial, he sat down, he talked with Aaron about the why. And, you know, she actually cried. And she said, you know, at one point, this is what she's telling him now. She said at one point she did want to change her mind and leave, but she was forced to stay in the car. Now she said that Charlie forced her to do it. Uh-uh. Terry believed her when she, that was, she wasn't the mastermind. He got remarried and he became a stepfather. His new wife has kids. Uh, you know, he wrote a book. It's called Terror by Night. And he focuses on his ministry and his speaking. Terry Caffey, I mean, Erin Caffey is now 30 years old and she resides in a high security prison in Texas. She does a lot of interviews and I did watch one of them, the Pierce Morgan. I really enjoy watching Pierce Morgan. He does um, killer women. So he interviews a lot of the women that's in prison. She told the media that Charlie was the man that she wanted to spend the rest of her life with. They were in love. She was going to get married. And she says she made bad decisions and she made a stupid mistake. Now, she will be eligible for parole when she's 59 years old after serving 42 years. And Terry Caffey still visits her every month. So, it, you know, that's mm. crazy. I mean, this whole thing, I mean, this story, this story was a waste. If you think about it, all the young people, you know, they have to sit in prison every single day and think about that. I mean, she was 16 years old. And if she gets out, she's getting out at 59 years old. Like, she wasted her whole life over somebody that they wouldn't have been together even a year from now. If you really look at it like that, you know, teenage relationships don't even work out like that. So if you really think about it, she gave up her whole life. No, she really did. And let me tell you, it's it's something that not sounding like that jerk parent person that doesn't believe in love, you know, because I do believe in life after love. And I like that song, too. Um, but 
just real talk as a person that's over 25, 30 years old, you know that you're not going to be in it. For the kid, you know that 99% of the time, you're not in it, you're not going to stay with your first relationship. Yeah. Who do you know with the first person that they date? I'm not saying your first love. I'm talking yeah. about the first person you actually dated yes. or your first kiss or the first person that asked you to a movie and all that shit. Right. Who do you know that's still with that person? That, that doesn't happen. You see what I'm that saying? That does not happen, right. So the fact that you don't see past this reality and in your mind your parents just seem so callous and don't care about you and don't love you, Yeah. it becomes this big draw uh, in, in between the parent and the interaction with a daughter. Especially it seems to happen to daughters more often than anybody because yeah. they always think the parents just don't even understand and they don't, yeah. you know, they're not getting it and they're just trying to hold you back. Yeah. It's, it's deeper than that. Yeah, it actually is, and it's crazy, and it's scary because you know we're we're both parents, so you know to at some point we all have to tell our kids no, or you're going on the wrong path. So it's like, at what point does it get to this where you're like, well, my parents just need to die, like you know, you know, there's the eye rolling and the talking back. That's one thing, which I don't allow that either. But damn, it gets to the point of my parents just need to die, and you start plotting it out. That's scary. And the thing is that what's really scary is she was not a child that did the eye rolling. Yeah, she was not a child that did the talking back. Uh, as you joke about the background, she was one mm. of those good go, going to school church kids that just smiles in your face. That's what I'm saying. Your daughter probably gonna be just like you, a good a good killer. Oh God, about cutting <laughs> your death out now because y'all have it inside you where you're not gonna give the evidence on the outside. Yeah, you're not gonna know that this person's plotting your death in their heart, but they smiling and still bringing you your tea. Yeah, you know oh, because God. of the restriction that they feel on life, and as and as she even said, she couldn't wish for better parents. Yeah. You know, and that's mm-hmm. and that's to the guy that after you had him have his face shot in. Yeah. You know, so it's it's nothing on them, and that's what makes it so scary that there's nothing on you as a parent that you can do to try and prevent something like that happening. Yeah. It's them needing to have the understanding on their own. Yeah. Which is the hardest part is they need to come to their own revelation. Like, hey, there's more <laughs> to life than than Billy and Johnny. Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. and getting some peen peen. Yeah. There's more to life than that. Yeah. You know. And there's it's a high probability, and it's hard. It's horrible to say because I mean, like I used to say it in high school, and I man, girls used to hate me, mm-hmm. but they kept dating me, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I'd be like, you know, there's somebody that love me, and I'll be like, I love you too, and I love what's going. And be like, so, you know, what do you think we'll be like, or what do you think our kids will be like? And I tell them like, I don't even know if we're gonna have kids, girl. Like, yeah, let's wait. Like, let's wait until we like really old enough to be talking about kids and stuff like that. To even yeah. Be talking like that, man. Yeah. That's absolutely true. You know, I was too much of a realist. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and make it seem like I'm going to promise you I'm going to be with you for 40 freaking years. I'm 17. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, shoot, I'm like, I'm 17 and I've already been with five females. I think I'll be like five to 10 females by that time. I'm like, you're telling me that that's going to be it. But in 17 years of my life, I did the most of the sex that I'm going to do in my whole damn life. And it's just, you know, (laughs) I can't promise you that, bro. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) And I used to tell things that. I used to tell them. And, you know, and, and even, I mean, and Charles Wade was really crazy. I mean, he was the one that had the baby. I'm like, you're trying to fight for custody of your baby. Now you're in prison for the rest of your life with no parole. Like, what did you do? You know, like, what what did you do? How did you benefit your child by doing that? No, that's yeah. what I, before when I was telling you about the fact that I, it's hard for me to say what's the stupidest thing because desperate people do some desperate stuff. Yeah. Uh, that guy was pulled. He he pulled on his his card of him trying to, his love for trying to get his child. Yeah, and he thought he was doing some uh some 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 uh John Q shit. You know, yeah. So he thought he was he thought he was being Denzel, just going out here and pulling this lick yeah. real quick to see him pay for the fact that he could make his child's life better. Yeah, and you that's know? really so, sad because he needed the two thousand dollars, but in a and you know, in the big scheme of things, two thousand dollars is not a lot of money to be offered to kill somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, two thousand dollars is definitely it's not, not enough. enough. But it, that is sad because you're right. He pulled on that. Like, okay, I'll give you the two thousand dollars for your attorney. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so to him, that was a lot. For him, it, I wouldn't say it was a lot, but it was what he was needed. Yeah. And he caught him when he was down, and he had no other option on how he could figure it out. Yeah. You That's know, sad. And from what I hear with these attorneys with custody and all that shit, they they can be some real assholes. They're expensive, and, and too. They, they will take you for every fucking thing. That's what I understand. What do you think about Bobby Joe Johnson's sentence of 40 years? Do you agree with her sentence for being there, or what do you think about that? I think it's excessive. You know, yeah. I almost wanted to yell out Black Lives Matter because that's the only time I've heard of somebody getting, like, a crazy sentence like that for just sitting in the car. Just for sitting in the car. I mean, I watch car. Boys in the Hood. The stuff gets crazy. Yeah. You know, so it's it's... it's 
and that, and I honestly, I don't, when you're, because I have been kind of like that in a scenario, Uh but, you know, what I, what I want to say is, is people don't understand how much of you are in danger and scared yourself when you become that person. Yeah. When you are put in that scenario where you're sitting in the car and these people got guns and they're talking about killing somebody. Yeah. And you know, and you, and they're like, man, nobody better snitch, you know, we gotta make sure we do this shit, everybody be fucking quiet. Yeah. Like, you now are in this mindset scenario, like, they're already planning on killing somebody. Right. They're already planning on killing a group of someone. Yeah. They're talking about killing children. Yeah. Who the fuck am I? And that's the other thing, too, because I would be scared that they're, they're going to kill me because I'm a witness, technically. So if I'm not with it, they're going to think, if they let me go, I'm going to go snitch. Right. So I'm dead. Right. So, and, so I'm, and they definitely know I know their faces, and they definitely know I know who they are, and they definitely yeah. know that I know what they're trying to do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be, like, victim number one. If, yeah. I, if I sit here and do anything too suspicious. And the thing is, is it's also... The thing is, I, this is something I've just learned from people just in, in general, mm-hmm. like in playing sports and in like, and just being a, a rambunctious kind of teenager and doing things that was kind of bold is people will do things if they think the risk is favorable. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like if they like, oh, it's a 50-50 chance. If, if it goes, and I think 50-50 is like where majority of people kind of almost stop. Yeah. Where if it's 50-50, they'll go for it. Yeah. You know, uh, anything bigger than that 50, if it's 60, 40, but if that's in your favor, then you're more than likely go for it. If it's 60, 40, but it's not in your favor, yeah. then, you're, then you're, you're way more hesitant. You feel what I'm saying? But yeah. that's what, uh, the point when it's 50, 50 is where people usually stop. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. The reason why I'm saying that is when I have something that I've noticed and it's something that I, I've, I've done to people to kind of like, Hey, if you're going to do this, then you're going to have to lose something too. When you make it into an all or nothing. Yeah then a lot of people just don't do it. Uh-huh. You see what uh-huh. I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm saying that in the sense of when you know that you're an accomplice into this situation and you're trying to get the fuck away, <laughs> it's not just I'm getting away today. Yeah. Because they didn't get caught that moment. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? After they burnt, they shot everybody and left and went and had sex all night and all that yeah. shit. So you got a whole, you got days where you got to stay away from these motherfuckers. Yeah. And hope they get caught. Right. Yeah. And it becomes an all or nothing. Like, you got to get away or you're dead. Yeah. Yeah, because they will say, see, some cases, like, they actually got caught pretty quicker. There's some people that's months before they get caught or years. Like, how long right. do they have to stay away? Right, you don't know away? when they're going to get caught. Yeah. You don't know. So that's the gamble of your own life. Yeah. Where you lose, you're dead. Yeah. Because at any point, they could feel like, oh, they, you know, they're loose end. They're going to snitch on me. Or you act too jumpy or you act too scary. Right. They're like, yeah, we can't leave them around. Right. <laughs> so that's where I feel like they don't take into account this that feeling yeah. of, man, I'm not going to lose my car. I'm not going to lose my game. I'm not even going to get extra jail time. Like, no, these motherfuckers are going to kill me. Yeah. So either I get away completely clean and y'all motherfuckers get them now. Yeah. Or I'm dead. That's yeah. how people think. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really sad because you could end up losing your whole life over that. You know what I mean? Right, so and that's what I'm saying. Like, when, you, when, you, when you have that, it's very hard to say you're going to move and do shit yeah. when you like, oh, my, I might die. I, I might end up dying at the end of this. Yeah. Like, there's very few decisions that you're going to make if somebody, like, if you had the decision and you even got diabetes and somebody told you to ask to stop eating candy, and you, you'd be like, okay, I'll cut back on it, whatever, in your mind. But if yeah. somebody told you, if you eat the next candy, you're going to fucking die, that puts, you, that puts you in a whole different mindset. Yeah. I agree 100%. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about, what do you think about Aaron? Because it seems like, you know, she's saying that, you know, she wasn't a mastermind. Obviously, we know that that's not true. But I think that she probably, if she would have played her cards right, I think she could have probably gotten away with it. I mean, it, I think you can coach a whole lot of people and get away with lots well, of crimes. Well, I yeah. think you are definitely a mastermind of murder. Because I think, yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, honestly, I think that she, I mean, she messed up by, you know, she should have been, what I would have did is I probably would have just been in the house, but I would have made sure, obviously I would have made my exit where it's like, at least I, I'm in the house. Like, you're riding around with them. You shouldn't have, you know, did that. And I mean, because it seems like she tried to put the whole thing off on Charlie anyway. You know, she tried to say that she wasn't a mastermind. I think that if she would have played her cards right, you know, there would have been a little less evidence, you know, for the grand jury to indict her on. You know, that's what I think. What do you think? Do you I, think she could have gotten away with it? Uh, 
I hope she never did. Honestly, yeah. I don't. I hope. I, I don't like to even think about people getting away with stuff because then it just seems like it's a scary thing in society and life. My heart hurts for those little boys. I mean, at the end of this, it's like they were just so innocent. I feel so horrible. Imagine calling out for their parents because they didn't know what was going on. Yeah, that's one of the yeah. So that's when you say things like that. Like I can't imagine the acceptance and the uh, the the desire for them to be able to get away with that. Yeah. But. Honestly, and you know, I wouldn't speak on trying to help people brainstorm on how to be better criminals. Yeah, I, you know. I just, you know, and I, I honestly think, yeah, but you know, that shows you that she was in the sixteen-year-old mindset because in her mind, you know, she thought she was going to kill her whole family and then go live happily ever after with her boyfriend, like nobody was ever coming to get him. And you know what I mean? Like, but that's how you know they thought, and it's really sad, you know. This whole case was, you know, it really, it really is sad. It's sad for, you know, a lot of parents and stuff because you think like that. You think you have, you know, teenagers and you do the best you can for your children and then they turn on you. Right. That's scary. It's scary. really scary. I so you got to like, always threaten your kids like Marvin Gaye's daddy is what you got to do. Oh. You have a gun ready with the, for their ass. Yeah. Like, hey, I'll take your ass down <laughs> too. Hey, I put him on the list. We're going to be covering his case too. Marvin Gaye and his daddy? Yeah, we're going to cover his case. Well, I don't know if he's worthy. Like, that was an actual murder murder. That was like, you know. Well, well, I was doing that for you. You picked that case, so. That Every and... time you say something weird, you put it on me. Every <laughs> time. You know what I'm We're going to talk about SpongeBob SquarePants. We're like, who the fuck is SpongeBob? Like, you. You like SpongeBob. Like, girl, what did I, what did I say, SpongeBob? Fine. I'll take these heats. <laughs> yeah and yeah we're gonna be doing a lot more cases like this but you know my heart goes out i'm just glad that at least he was able to like move on a little bit but obviously you never forget about this and just you know he visits her every single month i couldn't do that like i don't know i just for me it'll be too much i, w- I, I need like. more detail of the killing while the killing's happening okay like tell me more about like how they getting killed and what's happening during the killing I feel like you brush over it and get to the sex scene. I did not brush over and get to the sex scene. That wasn't like, like you talked about them having sex like two, three times. I, 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 I don't even know, I don't even know the color of their condoms. Like he was wearing Trojan Man. Like, oh what girl? my! You are so the crazy. blue brand. Y'all know with the ribs. Like who's who's watching? Who's reading this? Where'd you find these details? Oh my! Is that... The rib Trojans. <laughs> Look, let's let's get to the killing. Oh. Well, we are definitely, um, so next week, do you know what we're covering next week for next week's case? No, I do not. We are going to be covering the murders of Shannon Christian and Christopher Newsom. And that one actually has five different killers. So usually, you know, we put the name of the murderer in our show notes, but this has so many different ones that I'm naming the episode, the victims' names. And this one is, well, actually, it's another group murder. So that seems to be our theme this week. It's just, you know, this seems to be our theme, group murders. Okay, a group of people murdering somebody? Yeah, a group of people murdering somebody. <laughs> this this case is wild. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I haven't heard a lot of that. Yeah. Group murders. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Is that a new thing? Is that what the new millennials doing as a group? I don't know. This happened in 2007, so we'll see. Oh, okay. Yeah, so in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Hot Garbage Show. Um, we also have a Facebook discussion group going on, and it's Hot Garbage True Crime Edition. So get in our Facebook discussion group. It's going to be awesome. And um, what I else? I think I'm going to start showing up there once a week to just say yeah, you should. Wild people, if y'all want me to. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to be getting on TikTok soon. I'm going to do my first TikTok tonight. Like, you know, for the for the true crime page, it's going to be great. What are you going to do with TikTok? With TikTok, we're going to tell people a little bit about the cases. You know, just, you know, a little video about the cases and stuff like that. You're going to make a video about the cases like a commercial or something? Yeah, it's commercial. It's going to be great. You're going to use TikTok for commercials? I yes, say for that. true crime. Yeah, I figured it out. Uh, my assistant is helping me do this, so it's okay. great. <laughs> okay. And, um, oh, send us an email at hotgarbagenews at gmail.com. And take care and watch your back out there.